when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome to the Soto Mojo podcast. This is Colby Patnode. I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Uh, Ty, how you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Looking forward to talking some ball. How are you doing? Um, I continue to be perplexed by the Mariners and kind of the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the way they've handled this upcoming season, both on and off the field. Um, just some really silly things. Uh, but you know, overall, I- I'm doing fine. It's uh, no football this week, and you know, after the Super Bowl next week, we kind of have to survive that however long the gap is, um, you know, unless you're a big NBA fan, which I happen to not be, um, I guess the XFL is a thing this year. Um, but yeah, you know, there's just, we have to, you know, survive the next couple, we have two weeks of, you know, weekend sports and then you got to survive, I don't know, four or five weeks until the TV, uh, games kick in for spring training and just trying to get through that period, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, with the XFL, at least Seattle has a team. <laughs> when does that start, even? I don't. I think it's a week after the Super Bowl. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, you know, I I'll probably check out a game. Um, Wasn't Kristen Michael like the first overall pick in their draft or something? <laughs> it might have been. He's not playing for Seattle though. That would have yeah. been epic. Yeah. Um, I think like Casey Williams is playing for Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Casey Williams um, is on that team. Um, I think there's someone else that's on there as well that we know. Isaiah Battle, of course. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, who could ever forget the great Isaiah Battle? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. But um, BJ Daniels. There you go. Yeah, I. Okay, some U Dub connection there. Keenan um, Keenan Reynolds. Yep, yep. I like Keenan Reynolds. I wish you would have. Uh, made the team it'll um, be interesting to see how this goes though with uh you know and see if any of these guys make a name for themselves they get back into the nfl yeah i mean talking about a guy like uh fred ross was like a really high recruit um, oh dude listen to this one muhammad cisse really wow <laughs> that's a name you remember muhammad cisse good for you yeah Austin Prol, I think that probably Ricky yeah. Prol's kid. Yeah, he uh, Austin Prol played for who? I want to say Carolina. Rams? I want to say Carolina. I think Ricky Prol played for both Carolina and so I don't know. I, I, it, uh-huh. He's not worth remembering. Um, Kenneth Farrow, the running back. Yeah, I watched him play in the uh, what was it? The AAF or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, he was he was really good in the AAF. Um, I watched one AAF game and never again. 
<laughs> like I didn't think it was a bad product. I was just like, eh, this is just, eh. you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some, uh, so yeah, I'll probably check that out. Uh, the week after the Super Bowl, get that a shot. I don't have high hopes. Hmm. There's a guy on this team, on the Seattle dragons called Martin, Martin of Fetty. think there's any relation. Oh no. Oh God. God. He's a defensive end. <laughs> oh God. Please yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't escape a buddy. You, you you know they're giving him like a fifteen million dollar per year extension, right? That happens. Christ. <laughs> I'm done. See, I can't do see, this anymore. See, Seahawks Twitter is going to be very interesting that day. Yeah, <clears throat> it would be. I mean, it's. I happen to think it's you know Fetty's been fine. Like, I mean, you know, we we nitpick the like the penalties, but he only had like six penalties this year, and yeah, I don't think I saw some. He only allowed like two sacks after like week four. Um, so I mean, he's he's fine. Is he worth fifteen million dollars? No, but you know, he's. Are they really going to get a third round comp pick out of Jermaine Fetty? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, <clears throat> but. Uh, Anyways, you guys, uh, you guys may be confusing this for a Seahawks podcast, a football podcast. It's not; it's baseball. Um, so on today's show, we are going to talk Hall of Fame voting. Um, the results came out, and we have two new members of the Hall of Fame class. Um, Ty and I will also do our best to remember our individual ballots um, that we got to submit for the fan-sided Hall of Fame vote. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, Baseball America's top five or top uh, 100 prospect list has dropped. The Mariners have five players in the top 100. And from the sounds of it, as many as seven in the top 125-ish, uh, if they rank that far out. So uh, really good uh, year for the Mariners. Actually, uh, yeah, um, Justin Hollander just now on the uh, pre-spring uh, training luncheon um, said that they – had 10 within the top 198. Wow. <clears throat> so 10 in the top 200. Um, okay. Wow. So that's, uh, I don't want, I don't think that's that surprising, but um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll certainly go over the top five that we know. And then um, we actually have their top 10 list. So we can pretty that's much probably. Put, yeah. Yeah. So we pretty much have an idea there of who made the top 200. Um, and then we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to start our position previews, uh, for the 2020 season. We're going to start nice and easy and start talking about the, uh, the catcher position, uh, for 2020. But before we do, let's, uh, let's, let's tackle the hall of fame first. Um, after the last, I don't know, three years or so has pretty much been all about Edgar Martinez, um, in this region and just pushing his candidacy and finally getting him in. Uh, there was no you know, serious candidate involving the Mariners this year, um, which certainly led to a much more uh, relaxed viewing of the Hall of Fame voting from myself. Um, Ty, I mean, did you have the same uh, feeling? Were you pouring over ballots or did you just kind of, you know? Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't feel as much of an attachment this year. You know, I, I didn't find myself constantly looking at, not Mr. Tibbs, you know. Right. Um, I, yeah, it, 
like obviously I, w- I was very much invested in the in the Larry Walker thing uh, sure. but you know uh, not having that attachment to Larry Walker yeah you know, obviously I could um, understand you know where the Rockies fans were coming from with having to you know deal with the Agger stuff over the last few years and uh, and I'm happy for them that that things turned out uh, the way that it did um, but yeah, I think you know after after last year and after the last couple years of hardcore campaigning for Edgar, it was it was nice to kind of just sit back this year and watch as you know things unfolded. Sure. Um, so if you guys aren't aware, um, the Hall of Fame class for 2020 is Derek Jeter. Um, you know, obvious, uh, no doubt about that one. And then Larry Walker sneaks in on his final year of eligibility. He gets in by six votes, um, <clears throat> which, I mean, if you guys follow Twitter at all, you know Peter Gammons, uh, who famously voted for Walker a few times, just suddenly decided to drop him off his ballot in his final year and not to add, not to try and get, you know, 10 players. He only voted for, like, four guys. So he could have still voted for Walker, but he chose not to. Um, <clears throat> then he goes on TV and he has this lame ass like oh if he misses the hall of fame by one vote i'm gonna feel bad no you're not look if you are a part of the baseball writers association of america and you have a vote and you choose not to vote for 10 guys unless that ballot is completely horrific if you don't if you don't vote for 10 guys you're you're a goober like you're part of the problem let's be clear about that yeah. yeah, and this is like this year was the first year where I could possibly wrap my head around not voting for 10 guys um, because we've had some really good clear like, you know, we've cleared the field a little bit over the last couple of years. Um, <clears throat> and next year, it looks like there's a really strong possibility that only one guy gets voted in. Um, that would be Kurt Schilling, who just missed this year. He got 70 percent of the vote. He needs 75 to get in. So. Um, high probability he gets in next year. Um, but you kind of look at the rest of that class. Um, When's uh, David Ortiz eligible? 2020, not this time around, but the next time, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, it's like you start looking at the guys who, like Tim Hudson, I think, is one of the guys. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to pull up the uh, the list here of eligible guys. Um, so yeah, uh, Tim Hudson is kind of the, the newbie here. Um, Kurt Schilling, obviously we talked about him getting in Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. They barely made a move up the, you know, they got just, you know, Clemens got 61% bonds got 60.7. So they're kind of stagnant right there and they only have two more years to get in. Um, you start talking about. Uh, Omar Vizquel made a pretty good jump this year. I don't get that at all. Um, Vizquel's not a Hall of Famer. Very good player. Not a Hall of Famer. Um, <clears throat> Scott Rowland, B- Billy Wagner, they made moves. Also making a pretty big move uh, was Gary Sheffield. Uh, he might have had more plus votes than anybody else. Um, deservedly so. Uh, I, it's kind of insane that he's not in the Hall. And he's probably not going to get there. He's only at 30%. And he's got three more years, 
or four more years. So eh, never tell me the odds. <laughs> uh, Andrew Jones, uh, Bobby Abreu got just enough to stay on the ballot, which is uh, to me excellent. Uh, I feel like he's getting overlooked pretty hard. Um, so this was his first year, right? Yeah, you need five percent of the vote to stay on the ballot for you know every season, and he got five point five percent, so he right. just made it. Um, so he will be on the ballot. Uh, some guys who will be um, on the ballot next year include Tim Hudson, Mark Burley. Um, let's see here, Tory Hunter. Okay. And then Dan Heron, Barry Zito, <laughs> Ar- Aramis Ramirez, Shane Victorino, Alex Rios, Nick Swisher, AJ Burnett. Like, none of those guys seem like slam dunk Hall of Famers to me. Um, so, yeah, you know, I like Hudson and Burley and Hunter are kind of close, but I don't see I'd vote. I'd vote for them. You'd vote for at those least, three? Well, at least... Um, at least Hudson, at least Hunter. And then, yeah, Mark Burley was pretty good. Burley has I'd, the highest war of all of them. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm spread, I, I would have guessed Tim Hudson. Interesting. Uh, it's really close. Hudson's at 58.1 and Burley's at 59.2. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, <clears throat> it's really close. Uh and you know, I pretty much kind of the the lame like statistical whatever is that sixty WAR is kind of the fr- threshold you need to pass uh, to be a Hall of Famer. And that includes, I mean, that's for both position players and pitchers, starting pitchers. Um, it's a little bit different for relievers because obviously they don't pitch as much. Um, yeah, sixty WAR is kind of the the clearing there. And so Burley and Hudson are really close and Tory Hunter, um, you know, you look at you, if you sort next year's, you know, propose or potential ballot by war, uh, B war, by the way, um, uh-huh. Tory Hunter is actually 15th, um, in B war, but he is ahead of Omar Vizquel and I'm willing to bet Hunter gets like 30% of the vote next year. Um, but yeah, um, I I really liked watching him play when I was young. So Tory Hunter, yeah, so yeah, he's uh he's an idiot, but uh, yeah, but he's I was, a good ball player. Yeah, I was a big fan of big yeah. fan of his game. So was I, and then I started listening to what he was saying, and I was like, oh <laughs> man, <laughs> same thing with Kurt Schilling, man. Yeah. I really like Kurt Schilling when he was pitching, and then yeah. he stopped pitching, started opening his mouth more, and I was like, oh my god, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you just like please shut up. Like, yeah, he's he's a piece of work, um, yeah. and I'm saying work in a nice sense because or in a. I just don't want to say what he really is a piece of, so I'm just going to say work. Um, <sighs> work, 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 work. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, so that that's kind of next year's battle. Let's talk a little bit about ours. We got a chance to do a. Um, Obviously, we neither Ty and I have a vote in the official Hall of Fame voting, um, but we did get a uh, this year fan sided, um, kind of got together the site experts of obviously Soto Mojo and the rest of the uh, the rest of the baseball sites under the fan sided umbrella, and we uh, we filled out hypothetical ballots and um, 
we created our own Hall of Fame class among the uh, site experts. Um, our final tally was uh, Derek Jeter was the only guy that got voted in. Yeah. Um, just disappointing, I would say. Um, yeah, I was I was very surprised by that. You know, it's what's funny about that is is that again, there's only what I think there was only forty two voters. I want to say something like that. So, I mean, obviously, sample size isn't as vast as uh, the 450-some-odd ballots that get sent in um, in the actual Hall of Fame. But, yeah, Derek Jeter was the only one to get in. Um, he however, missed out on a unanimous vote by one vote, and I feel like it may have been me. Oh, no, Ty. Well, no, the, the reason was, like, I knew he was going to get in, so I wanted to use my 10 votes for other people. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think that's what I did, but I'm not sure. I may have voted for him, but I feel like I possibly did that. I don't know. Yeah, I, um, you know, when it comes to it, I, I actually did consider not voting for Jeter um, simply because we were placed under the same restrictions as the actual Hall of Fame uh, voters themselves where we only were allowed to vote for 10 guys and on this particular ballot I thought there was you know 15 to 18 guys who uh, who you know deserve serious consideration so um, what's interesting to me is that yeah Jeter appeared on all but one ballot sounds familiar um, yeah. Bonds just barely didn't Bonds got 73.8% of the vote uh, in our little balloting. So one more vote, and he would have gotten in. Clemens got 71.4, so he needed two more votes to get in. I, I, To be honest, I don't understand voting for Bonds, but not Clemens. Like, I don't understand that. Uh, Larry Walker got 69%. Schilling nice. only got 57%. Nice. <laughs> Schilling only got 57% in our ballot. And uh, Andrew Jones was all the way up at 50 So, um Quite a bit of difference there. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty fun exercise. Vizquel down at twenty six point two percent. A lot of ways, I think we did better than our uh, our, our uh, baseball writers friends there. I think our ballot is a lot closer to reality, uh, minus the Walker thing. That was kind of disappointing. But Ty, um, how much of your ballot do you remember? Because I honestly don't remember a lot. Uh, I remember, yeah, I, uh, I, Andrew I Jones and, Bar and Bonds and Clemens, yep. Yep. and I know I had Gary Sheffield, um, uh, maybe Jeter, I don't know, obviously Larry, Larry Walker, right. yeah, I, I might have been the guy that didn't vote for Jeter, I really just don't remember, um, oh boy, yeah, thank goodness uh, they didn't publish that. Otherwise, all the <laughs> Yankees, you're an idiot, just like that one guy. <laughs> By the way, like, let's talk about the actual vote here, because Derek Jeter missed out on unanimous uh, unanimous vote by one single yep. voter, and yep. Yankees fans got their panties wadded up into a bunch and started this like witch hunt to find the one voter. And it's like, I mean, I, at least this is my reaction. I was like. Yeah, I mean, if Mariano Rivera is a unanimous Hall of Famer, Jeter is, but then again, so is Griffey, and he didn't get it. And to me, I'm just like, 
at the end of the day, do you really care? Like, yeah. you got 99.7% of the vote or whatever. Really? Do you, do you care that much? Because that just seems kind of pathetic to me. Yeah, who, who cares? They don't put your percentage of vote on, on your plaque. I mean, it's just like, who cares? If you get in at 75.1% or you get in at 100, you're both Hall of Famers. Yeah. You both get a plaque. I mean, it's just... I don't yeah. know, man. That whole thing to me. And honestly, I thought it was kind of hilarious to see Yankees fans throw a fit. It's like, hmm, I wonder if you guys all felt this way when Griffey didn't get his uh, unanimous vote. Yeah. Probably not. Mm-hmm. But no, it's Derek Jeter, so all of a sudden we have to we have to care. And it's like, I, I don't. By the way, Jeter is was very good. He's not the greatest player of all time, so let's just shut up. Yeah. Uh, He's nowhere near the greatest player of all time. Let's be very clear about that. He's not yep. even the best Yankee of all time. Yep. And I mean, to be fair, that says a lot more than, you know, calling somebody not the greatest Mariner of all time. But, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, just like, I, I know you love Jeter. I thought Jeter was a very good ball player. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. I did vote for him. I remember voting for him in our poll. Uh, but I did give serious consideration to leaving him off. Just because you're trying to fit, you know, you're trying to get 10 guys votes. And there's like, you know, 18 guys that I wanted to vote for. Yeah. I knew Jeter was getting in. So what's but the imagine it, Yeah, but imagine if like everyone thought that way and then we all didn't <laughs> vote for Jeter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just I don't think. I don't think people really, you know, they like push the the ballot strategy type of thing um, like last year. Um, I think we did a site vote. And if I remember correctly, I did not vote for Mariano Rivera because I knew he was getting in. Like, yeah. what's the difference? So I thought that was kind of silly. But, yeah, anyways, uh, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kurt Schilling is likely to join them next year. And then after that, yeah, th- there's a chance we don't have a Hall of Fame class of 2022. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, was there anything uh, anything else you wanted to add to the Hall of Fame discussion before we uh, shift gears here? Um, no, I think that that's that's it really. Um, so uh, I didn't look at the full numbers, but uh, are guys like Raul Abanez off of the ballot? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, so too is Sean Figgins. Um, uh, what a shame! Yeah. Uh, By the, the way, greatest player of all time. By the way, J.J. Putz got a Hall of Fame vote. Hell yeah, man. Good for J.J. <laughs> Putz. <laughs> okay, that's... Did Sean Figgins get one? I, do, I don't believe so. I, I hope to God not. Um, <laughs> yeah, although, good for, I, good, good honestly, for J.J. Putz. Honestly, if Ryan Divish voted for Sean Figgins, would that not have been hilarious? Because to me, he that would have been really funny. He should have. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> That, that seems like something Divish might do, too. Yeah. Um, just to kind of troll. Probably not this year because it was a pretty stuffed ballot. But, uh, you know, next year. Or, uh, you know, this was next year where there's only, like, one for sure Hall of Famer. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> Let's see here. Um, I want to make sure. I want to double check and see if Figgins got a Hall of Fame vote. Um, but, yeah, the... the uh, Hall of Fame classes, Jeter and Walker. Uh, here we go. Um, here are 
people who received uh, people who received votes, uh, at least one vote, but uh, no more than here are the people who received between ten and one vote. Okay, I I always like this list. It's fun to me. Uh, JJ Putz got one vote. Yep. Brad Penny got one vote. <laughs> Raul Ibanez has got one. Nice. I mean, Ibanez is probably a better player than Omar Vizquel, but okay. Um, Adam Dunn only got one vote. That's disappointing to me. Yeah. Uh, Cliff Lee got two. That's yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> Eric Chavez got two. <laughs> nice. Uh, Alfonso Soriano got six. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Soriano deserved a little bit of credit more than that, but I'm not surprised. Giambi got six. Um, Paul Canerco got uh, 10. Oh, yeah. I did vote vote for Paul Canerco. You voted for Canerco. Okay. Uh, I voted for Paul Canerco. (laughs) I just remembered that. And then everybody above uh, Canerco... Uh, got enough votes to stay on the ballot for an additional year. Year, um, Abreu got 22 votes, which was 5.5 percent of the vote. So I think one more. If he only got 21 votes, it would have been uh, off the ballot this year. Um, but yeah, so Sean Figgins did not get a vote, but former Mariner JJ Putz, Raul Ibanez, and Cliff Lee did get one vote each. So there you go. I'm happy for JJ Putz. Good for him. <laughs> anyway, so um, let's go. Ahead. Let's let's shift gears a little bit here to the uh, to the um, I want to say, sadly, probably the biggest news of the off season, um, at least for the Mariners, is uh, major uh, the uh, Baseball America's top 100 uh, prospect list came out. The Mariners have five uh, inside the top 100, and according to was it Vital, did you say? Um, yeah, uh, Hollander. Hollander, okay. According to him, uh, he claims that Baseball America put 10 Mariners inside the top 198, um, which is, um, let's say, good. Let, let's, let's call that good. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about uh, the five that made the top 100 um, with kind of a shakeup at the top at least i think by most of our estimations here um julio rodriguez the new number one prospect for the seattle mariners um came in at number eight in all of baseball yeah that by the way fun fun note here um that is the first mariners uh baseball america preseason top 10 prospect since jesus montero in 2012. Yeah, we're just going to ignore that. <laughs> just keep on going, keep on going. So yeah. uh, Julio Rodriguez comes in at eight. Um, man, that's that's exciting, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I personally wouldn't put him ahead of Jared Kelnick. I think Julio Rodriguez is a top ten prospect in baseball. I also think Jared Kelnick is a top ten prospect in baseball. Right, Kelnick. Uh, uh, Kelnick came in at number eleven overall. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like. Yeah. There, that's not a huge difference there. Personally, I would probably put Kelnick at like seventh, and maybe Julio at ten or nine. 
right now. I think that's kind of, but I mean, that's, it is what it is. Um, I, I think it is interesting though, ranking Julio above Kelnick. Um, I'm not really sure what swung them in that direction, but they do have kind of a few interesting decisions that they made here. Uh, even when you look at the, the Mariners overall top 10 from baseball America, which we'll, we'll get into, but yeah. yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see if they'll talk about how they got to that decision. Right. And, um, <clears throat> I think was it, was it the month in Modesto? I, I think it was, and then it was followed by a pretty strong Arizona Fall League. Um, you know, I read I read something that uh, he actually improved his like his tool belt because um, coming into the year his his run grade was like forty five uh, on the twenty eighty scale, and now most scouts are putting it at a strong fifty or maybe even fifty five. Um, <clears throat> so that on top of the bat and the power and the age. Um, the strong arm. Um, I, I'm guessing that's what pushed him. And then, of course, the what was it? The the month in Modesto, and then the the uh, Arizona Fall League. Those I think all those factors kind of jumped in. What's because Julio wasn't on any top 100 list um, that I can remember last year. Not at, not at this point last year. Um, Didn't he break through the pipelines? I don't, I don't think that happened in the preseason. Um, I could be wrong, but I most I wanna, people. I want to say that he was like ninety something last preseason. Here, I'll he, look it up. While he might have been. Talk. Yeah, we can look that up pretty easy. Um, he might have been. Although, you, if you look it up, you're probably going to get the end of the year ranks from 2018, or or uh, sorry, 2019. So. But either way, you know, Julio Rodriguez is number eight on Baseball America's list. Jared Kelnick is number eleven. I um, I'd agree with Ty. I think I think Kelnick is just a little bit better than Julio. Um, but hey, guess what? We got both, so it's a good day in the neighborhood. Um, so I found it from the preseason. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, he wasn't on there. It was uh, Sheffield was, uh, yeah, it was Sheffield, Kelnick, and Don. Those were the three that the Mariners said. Well, well, well. <clears throat> how the tables turn, or how the turntables. Um, yeah, how the turntables. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, Julio Rodriguez at eight, Jared Kelnick at 11. Again, we're talking about basically no difference in their rank. Um, I have begun to put together my personal ranks for the uh, Soto prospect ranks, uh, which we're hoping to have out before pitchers and catchers report. Um, I saw Kalanick ahead of Julio. Um, spoiler alert. But it, it's close. I'm not... No, I mean, there's no... There's no way anybody can look at that and go, that's stupid. Like, I, I understand completely um, how they came to that decision. Uh, I just I just kind of prefer Kalanick. I think, you know, the fact that he can play a little center field kind of tips the scales. And uh, he's, he's just a better runner. Um you know, Julio's probably got him in power, but I think Kalnick's probably got him in hit tool, so. Hit tool, defensive ability, I think. Yeah, yeah. speed. Um, arms, I think, probably probably Julio, and I think power, probably Julio. So, you know, it's close. It's a toss-up, and Baseball America agrees because, again, they're ranked 8th and 11th. 
Um, joining those two on the list, uh, Evan White comes in at number 54. Um, <laughs> White's, White's interesting to me um, because I think all of a sudden there's this tremendous amount of hype being built around Evan White uh, that hasn't really affected in an increase in his in his rank. I think most people still have him in that 50 to six, 50 to 70 range in terms of ranks. But I keep reading a lot of people who think, you know, Evan white is like the most underrated prospect in baseball. And it's like, is he? I mean, I feel, I feel like 50, I feel like 54 is low for him. Wow. So you're, you're definitely on the bandwagon, huh? I mean, there's definitely things that he still needs to work on. From, like everybody on this list. Yeah. From an offensive standpoint. But think about overall the year that he had, the fact that he'll come into the MLB as one of the best defensive first basemen, if not the best defensive first baseman. And obviously that only goes so far. Right. But um, I think when you take that into account, I mean, just the probability <clears throat> sure. for Evan White. Yeah. I would I would put him in the top thirty. Yeah, see I wouldn't. Um I still have concerns about the power tool. Right. And I know yeah. and I know that that's um that's definitely been um an improving tool since about what, August of twenty eighteen. Um kind of dropped his hands, he made a swing change. Um he managed to hit nineteen home runs in double A despite missing a pretty good chunk of the season. And also, you know, having to hit in the, I don't remember what the ballpark's name is, but just call it death to right-handed power. Um, It's, it's, it's a terrible ballpark to hit in if you're a right-handed bat um, down there in double a, and he still slugged 19 home runs. So I don't don't know. I think like, obviously I'm more of an upside guy when it comes to, when it comes to prospects, but I mean, like we've talked about, we talked about this back when he signed his extension. It just feels like, at worst, he's going to be worth at least like you know a win or two each season, just based on his defensive value and And his base running. running. And that, I mean, that's got to be worth something. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like that should put him higher. Just for that fact alone, because there aren't a whole lot of guys here, especially like I'm. I'm just looking at pipelines top thirty right now for for last year, and and again rankings really don't matter in the at the end of the day. But the difference, one of the things I like to uh, remind people of is that last year, pipelines number it was something like number twenty seven through number one hundred prospect. Basically, three quarters of the list were all 55 grades. Like, yeah. so there's almost no separation between the top 30 and number 100 um, most years. But, anyways, you were saying? Well, I just I look at some of these names in here, and I'm just I I, I feel like Evan White's more of a sure thing. Like, I I don't know. Sure. Of of, of course, I'm probably I'm probably biased, but I look at a guy like. I don't know, like Dylan Carlson, and I, I know that they play like two different positions. But would you rather have Dylan Carlson or, or Evan White? I mean, I'd pick, I'd pick White. I don't know. I, I'd probably take Carlson because I think there's more upside there. But 
yeah, if you're talking floor, I I find it very hard to believe um, that Evan White isn't an everyday major league player um, <clears throat> who is going to give you stellar defense. He's going to run the base as well. He certainly has pop. It's not like he has no power whatsoever. Um, you know, does a pretty good job of putting the ball in play. He takes his walks. There's just a high probability there that White is a good player. Is he a great player? I don't know. I certainly hope he is because yeah. that would be really fun. <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't turn 24 until a month after opening day. Um, Evan White, man, he just he's a weird, he, you know, he throws lefty, but he hits righty. Uh, you know, he's a first baseman who is athletic enough to be an everyday center fielder. Um, he's a first baseman who hits more doubles than home runs. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see because last year he, he hit 18 home runs in only 92 games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 25 to 30 home run pa- uh, pace right there in double A without a juice ball. Um, now it sounds like baseball, Major League Baseball is going to unjuice the baseball this year um, to some degree at least. But, yeah, you know, I think I, I, I agree with you the, in the terms that the – I mean, the downside of him is so high. His floor is so high that it's easy to, you know, have him ranked where he is. And then the ceiling, if he can reach that power potential and he's everything we think he's going to be with the bat, yeah, that's a, that's an all-star. That's, you know, that's Paul Goldschmidt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting here. Um, Steamer has projected Evan White. Uh, to hit 253, 310, 424. Um, what do you think? Does that sound about right? Sorry, what was it again? You broke Two, up a little bit on that. Uh, 253, okay. 310, 424, with 19 home runs in 130 games. That's the steam projection. His OVP is going to be way higher than that. You think so? Yeah, he's going to be in the 330 range. Okay. Um, I, I think... I think even for as much as he needs to work on certain things, and, and of course he's made some swing changes and stuff, I think overall he's a smart hitter. I think he'll be able to yep. take walks, and I, I think that OBP will be a lot higher than 310. Uh, I think batting average is about where I'd say it will be. I think he'll be in the 250, 270 range. Right. Uh, slugging, like, I don't know. I think slugging will be pretty decent. Yeah, I just, you know, it, by the way, if he does only hit 253, 310, 424 with 1920 home runs um, and his base running and his defense, that's probably, you know, a one and a half win player as a 24 year old. That's yeah. fine. Like, that, that's a good rookie season. Um, it's funny about, uh, <laughs> funny about the projections is that they have Evan White as a terrible defender, which we know isn't true yeah. at all. Um, so. Like it's just a matter of how valuable is elite first base defense. So we'll see. What do you think his uh, defensive war will be? Well, that's the problem is, is that you know I don't know how how good defensive war is for first base because a lot of a lot of that is based on range, and Evan White certainly has a lot of range, but it doesn't take into account you know the the handling of the bad throws, the quick tags, the positioning. Uh, you know, being the relay guy and the cutoff, like, you know, it just, uh, there's so many things that Ward, D 
defense award doesn't really account for. I, I I'd say this: um, if Evan White, if the Gold Glove Award was based only on defense, which we know it's not, um, Evan White would win it every year at first base. He's that good. Like you would write it in stone. Um, there's nobody who comes close to Evan White defensively at first base. Maybe Cody Bellinger. That's about it. I mean, he's that good. So, yeah. I just and I mean, you know, it should be no- noted that I mean, on Fangraphs, no mm-hmm. first baseman had a positive defensive WAR last right. year. Right. So. It's just it's defensive metrics have come a long way. They still haven't found a way to account for the things that first basemen do other than get to baseballs that are hit in their direction. So, um, so it's, it's tough to judge. And that I think, you know, will put a lot of pressure on the power of Evan white, uh, because that's where, you know, stat heads will see his value is, well, he only hit 25 home runs for a first baseman. I mean, that's, that's not enough. It's like, yeah, but he probably saves 15, 20 runs in a season with his defense. You know, saving a run is as good as scoring a run. So um, we'll see how it works out. But I think Evan White is about properly ranked. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of came out like I'm not a fan of Evan White or, you know, no, I, I think Evan White is a good major leaguer. I think he lives up to the contract and then some. Um, I think he's probably going to make an all-star team or two. Uh, but there, there's a lot of talk that he's, uh, look how positively he comps to, you know, Cody Bellinger whoa like let's slow down a little bit here uh bellinger is one of the best players in baseball uh i don't know if white's going to get there but i mean that that, that's kind of where my like let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here remember he's 24 years old um he doesn't have to be cody bellinger or paul goldschmidt to be good um but yeah we'll see how that works out for evan white um coming in at number 59 so again just behind white you can pretty much flip them in baseball america's opinion Logan Gilbert uh, comes in at 59. That seems a little low to me, to be yeah, honest. that's low. That's low. That's super low. I'm I sorry. Mean, but that, I, I, again, I know I'm biased, but after you saw the year that he had last year, how could you rank that guy below the top 50? Yeah, I just – Logan Gilbert is probably as safe of a bet to be an, at least a number three starter. I'm surprised there isn't more hype around him in the industry mm-hmm. because he's a Stetson guy, you know, you got Kluber and Grom and now Logan Gilbert he looks really good and he's going to pitch next year. Like I yeah, feel I, like I would say that Logan Gilbert could be like this year's Chris Paddock. Yeah. I, yeah, I could totally see it. Um, I don't think that he has much of a chance to make the club out of spring training. Yeah, uh, we know that he'll be he's been invited um, and he's going to probably stick around for a long time because the Mariners refuse to sign a fourth and fifth starter. Um, so he'll, he'll get a long look. Um, and, you know, I think we're both under the assumption that he's likely to be called up before what, July? Um, yeah, I mean, shoot, I think he might have a pretty good chance of coming up right after the uh Right after the service time stuff yep. at the end of April, I would I would say if he's a if he's up in May, I would not be surprised. That's not a prediction. I'm just but right. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. You you look at his twenty. You know, you mentioned his 2019 season. He threw 
what, 134 innings or whatever. And he he never posted a FIP at any of the three levels he breezed through. His highest FIP was 2.87. I mean, he strikes a lot of guys out. He doesn't walk guys. He's got good stuff, good command. He, he doesn't rely on one pitch or two pitches to get him you know, through the lineup. A couple times he's got four pitch mix. All have a chance to be above average or plus. Um, if Gilbert basically, if Gilbert was sitting 95 and hitting 97 instead of sitting 93 and hitting 95, 96 on occasion, I think he'd probably be ranked in the top 30. Um, yeah. I think that's about where he belongs. I think, I mean, the guy's just, he's going to turn 23 in May. Um, he's a really good pitcher right now. Uh, yeah. Keith Law, who is famously hard to impress, basically came out and said last year, at the end of last year, uh, Logan Gilbert could pitch in a big league rotation right now. Huh. He said it in early September. So he, he's definitely ready um, to pitch and pitch well in a big league rotation. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're low on, I think they're low on, um, on Gilbert there. So, um, we'll see how that works. Uh, and then the last Mariner, which is kind of an interesting one here. Noel V. Marte sneaks in at number 92. Yep. And what's interesting about that is, is that in the Mariners specific top 10 list, they rank George Kirby ahead of Noel V. Marte. Yeah. But Kirby doesn't make the top 100 and Marte does. So, um, why do you think that is? Uh, yeah, that that one confused the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's understandable why Noel V. Marte is in, is in the top one hundred. It was just weird that, yeah, that organizationally they ranked Kirby ahead of him, but then Kirby got snubbed out of the top. I, maybe that was it was two different people that made those rankings. I don't I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they came to that conclusion. But, yeah, I mean, when you think about Noel V. Marte and you see what, you know, I'm sure what's happened here with, with Julio Rodriguez over the last year may have played a little bit of, into that with Noel V. Marte and how, how well the Mariners have uh, groomed Julio. And now, you know, Noel V. had a great year in, in, uh, in the DSL and, He's shown that that you know seventy grade or better speed, you know the the fact that he might be able to be an everyday center fielder eventually, as we've talked about. I mean, there, you know, and, and the the power, and he's just eighteen, and God, I mean, there there's a lot to love about Melody Marte. I think he has the potential to be one of the top prospects in baseball by the time that he's ready to uh, come out and. But shoot, yeah, I, it it makes sense. It 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 really does make sense. Um, it's great to see him finally get some national attention. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I I think he's really really exciting. You know, and I said that back when they signed him when he was sixteen. I remember we had a podcast right when they signed him. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we were talking about that. And it was just you look at this kid and. Just got all the tools, and you know, like we said, that speed. God, when you put that speed and that power together, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> fact that he can play center field, possibly, possibly, yeah, 
Um, he could also possibly, there's also a decent chance that he sticks at shortstop. Um, I know it's not likely, but it's not zero. It's not, it's not close to zero. And if he could stick at shortstop or, you know, play some third base too. Um, honestly, this is probably wishful thinking on my part. I will admit because I am a huge fan of the player I'm about to compare Noel V. Marte to. Okay. So I kind of want it to be true really bad because I love the player. There's some Trey Turner there. Yeah, yeah. No, we we talked about this uh, last week or the week before last. Yeah, Trey Trey Turner is a really good comp for for Noel V. Marte. Both fast, surprising power. Um, Turner can play short like that. We know he can do that. He also has played some center. So, um, you know, defensively not quite, but I think there's a real opportunity for Marte to be kind of the Trey Turner-like guy. and if that's the case, he's probably going to end up in the top, you know, 20 by the end of the year. Um, yeah. I think he'll probably start the year in West Virginia, if I had to guess. So if he makes top 20, you think he's top 10 by spring training next year? Probably not, but I, I'm willing to bet that he's somewhere around there. Like, I think he'll, I think he'll probably be fit in somewhere between 11 and 30 um, assuming he has you know a decent year and all that stuff um, the skill the skill set there is just insane there's there's a potential for a um, there's some potential there I would say for a uh, a Julio Rodriguez like jump where all of a sudden people are like you know hey wait a minute we should um, we should probably start talking about this guy yeah um, Oh boy. Um, so we have a little bit of breaking news here, which is unfortunate Uh-oh. and probably explains a lot of why nothing's happened on this front. Uh, Mitch Hanniger is going to have core surgery oh. after a setback and he will miss most, if not all of spring training. It could leak into the regular season. So oh. the odds of Mitch Hanniger getting traded this year are zero. Like, yeah. He just he needs to get healthy. He needs to come back. He needs to show he can stay healthy. I'm getting Franklin Gutierrez flashbacks again, and that makes me sad. Jesus. So, I guess plus side is you'll get to see a lot of Kelnick and uh, Julio, but um, and you know Fraley and Bishop. Yeah. But man, that, well, that's a that's a blow. Well, I think this kind of confirms Kyle Lewis is uh yep going to be on the opening day roster. By the way, it should also confirm the Mariners are working hard to go sign a veteran free agent outfielder. Like, you don't have to go get Marcelo Zuna, but for the love of God, can you go get anybody? <laughs> I mean, just... So that sucks. Um, finding out about that live. Um, we'll wait and see how, um, if any new information comes out. That's from uh, Joe Doyle, by the way. Um, I'm assuming that has been talked about that is being talked about in the Mariners. Um, yeah. Um, it's been confirmed by Ryan Divish. Um, they found out Monday night that Hanniger had a setback. Um, so he's going to miss most, if not all, of spring training. Um, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, you know, just a few other quotes here. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as ex- uh, this is from Divish. As expected, Depoto confirms that Shed Long will play the bulk of the time at second base. D. Gordon will move around in the field. Sure. Uh, Mariners are 
Uh, Mariners are still going to address starting pitching and a reliever. DePoto said signings could come in 48 to 72 hours of, or next week. Hopefully that's Taiwan Walker. Um, God, I, I need some good news in my life, so please be Taiwan Walker. Um, some other news and notes. You know what? We're going to push back our, uh, our preview uh, one week, so we'll start catchers next week. Um, we might have to double up on a position one day, but that's fine. Um, there's Honestly, there's quite a bit of news uh, coming out right now about the Mariners. Um, I didn't know that they were holding this press conference, so we probably should have waited until after to record <laughs> or tomorrow, but uh, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, DePoto says Hanager's setback opens the door for better early opportunity. I, why better early? Um, anyways, for Jake Fraley and Braden Bishop, um, but he doesn't expect Hanager to miss much of the regular season at this point. Okay. <laughs> um, this one says here, DePoto says one certainty in the outfield is that Malik Smith will play. Would like to see Kyle Lewis out there. Um, so basically DePoto saying we have one outfielder right now. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's a pretty good chance that, you know, your opening day outfield is in some fashion. What? Malik and left. Fraley in center and Lewis in right. right. Yeah. Maybe it's Bishop in center and Fraley in right or, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess I would probably, yep. Um, yeah, he's expecting to miss six to eight weeks. Um, that would take him right up to opening day. Oh, well, yep, right up until opening day, give or take. So we'll see. Um it's too bad. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it does create an opportunity. Um, right. It'll be interesting to see what else they do. If they do go out and get a veteran outfielder or if they're just going to say, screw it. Our outfielders are Kyle Lewis, Braden Bishop, Jake Fraley, and Alex Smith. You mm-hmm. know, uh, um, and from that point forward, see what happens. You know, uh, it's not ideal. I know it's certainly not what you want. Um, but selfishly, I, I'm kind of interested. <laughs> I mean, is that I? I really want Mitch Haniger um, to be healthy. Uh, he's, he's a good player. I enjoy watching him. Um, yeah, you know, selfishly, I think the Mariners would be wise to trade him. Um, obviously, they haven't yet, and I'm glad that they haven't because all indications are is that nobody was interested in giving the Mariners what they want for Mitch Haniger. I mean, Mitch Haniger is not you're not you're not a bankrupt team that needs to sell your car so you can make a payment or something. Mitch Haniger is not a look. I mean, Mitch Haniger is not. You know, what I mean, like, you don't have to sell them. You you put your car for sale because you're trying to get, you're trying to trade it for, I don't know, a motorcycle. Nobody offers you that, so you go, okay, well, I'll just keep the car then. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, that that uh, that does suck. Um, yeah, I'm gonna pull up the uh, current outfield for agents. I mean, uh-huh. so it's just, it really is a blow. Um, 
Alrighty. So, uh, bringing up the free agent outfielders that still remain. Um, at the top, of course, is Nick Castellanos and Yasiel Puig. Um, but also, you have Kevin Pilar, Steven Souza. Yeah. Be all about that. Uh, Domingo Santana. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming his elbow is worse than we know. Yeah. Um, otherwise, um, I think he probably would have signed with somebody by now. Hunter Pence. Yeah. Uh, Curtis Granderson, who's someone that uh, uh, Joe Doyle mentioned. Um, I think, like... Cameron Maven. Yeah. It's surprising. Maven had a good year last year. I would yeah. put it like this. Um, like... Cause you, it, so in 2018, Ben Gamble had an injury that kept him out until the middle of April. Yeah. And the Mariners' solution to that was Ichiro, which right. was moronic and still is to this day. Um, but if Hanager is only going to go be out until April, the middle of April, which is kind of what DePoto is insinuating here, and it's six to eight weeks from now is late March. Um, which is opening day. So there's a chance he's back by April 15th. Um, it's going to be tough to convince somebody like, I mean, obviously Puig and Cassianos, they're more, you know, they're, they're not going to have, um, Granderson makes a lot of sense because there's pretty good chance. Granderson's not going to get any offers anywhere else. Um, so even if he can only stick in the big leagues for two weeks, he gets into a camp. He has a chance to make the team. And if he performs, whether he makes the team or not, it shows that he can still play a little bit. And Granderson was terrible last year. But there is that, you know, the veteran presence type of thing. And I I could see Granderson. I, I think Granderson would be interesting to have around your camp, at least. Um, There's also uh, just a couple other names. Uh, Billy Hamilton. Uh, that would be fun. Juan Lagares, uh John Ooh. Jay, and okay. Gerard Dyson. I would love Gerard Dyson. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's... So it's disappointing, but there are certainly options you can use. Um, like I said, I, I think ultimately the Mariners will end up just keeping Fraley, Bishop, Lewis, and Smith. Um, oh, wait. Roster. Whose music is that that I hear? Is that Jacoby Ellsbury's music? <laughs> 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 yes. Honestly, I wouldn't mind Ellsbury, um, assuming he's healthy, which is a huge assumption. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I, I, Ellsbury for a couple weeks, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. Uh, so I would like to see them, though, you know, go sign a Granderson or an Ellsbury or somebody who you don't care sucks just so you're not forcing Braden Bishop and Jake Fraley to, and Kyle Lewis for that matter, to play every day before they're ready, um, even if it's only for a couple weeks. But the Mariners have really shown no indication that they want to do that. Um, but I guess we now have a we now have a few articles we have to write, so that's fun. Um, I would prefer that we were writing about them signing Taiwan Walker, but what can you do? Um, anyways, so yeah, that... Curve, giant curveball just threw us off our rhythm here on the podcast um, and pretty much ate up the rest of the time we had. Uh, so, yeah, we'll start catchers next week. Um, 
eight positions plus starting pitcher. That's nine weeks. Uh, opening day is nine weeks from or ten weeks from today. So we'll probably have to double up one day, but uh, that's that's fine. Like I don't. It's not a big deal. Uh, let's just wrap up the prospect talk real real quick here, and then we'll get out of here. Um, uh, Joe Doyle, who does write for Baseball America, he put out uh, yesterday that Brandon Williamson, George Kirby, Justice Sheffield, Justin Dunn, and Kyle Lewis all received top 150 votes, um, which would seem to back up the idea that the Mariners have 10 of the top 200 prospects in baseball. Um, Brandon Williamson. That, that guy's rising. Yep. Yeah, that's that's surprising. That's He's surprising. Healing, and man. I am very interested to see um, uh, what happens with Isaiah Campbell this year. Yeah, that's you know didn't pitch at all last year. It's kind of you know now more talk about Brandon Williamson and all these things. But you know, you and I both said back when um, they drafted Campbell and they drafted Williamson that Campbell was the better pitcher. Yep. And the fact that you know Williams get, Williamson's getting all this attention that we haven't even seen Campbell yet. Yep. Oof. That is pretty Sam. nice. By the way, name we haven't mentioned yet? Sam Carlson. Yep. Guess who's pitching uh guess who's gonna pitch his first season in uh, affiliated baseball this year? There you go. Sam Where do you Carlson. think he's gonna start? West Virginia? Um I think there's a possibility they hold him back for extended. Um, okay. Let him throw in a few minor league games there. Um, but then I, yeah, I think, you know, West Virginia is pretty good place. You know, from everything I've read and heard about, uh, about Sam Carlson is the guy is an insane worker. Um, like he, he's put on like 25 pounds of muscle uh, over the last two years as he's rehabbed. Uh, he's worked very hard at his rehab. Um, he's an insanely hard worker, um, and still a really good athlete. Like he was coming out of high school. Um, I, I'd be, yeah, West Virginia, I think he might spend the whole year there. Um, and they might have to shut him down, you know, for a week or so to just kind of, you know, make sure, uh, as a precaution, but that dude could rise very quickly through the farm system. I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about him in, uh, you know, double a this time next year with a shot to make his big league debut. So, um, I, I'm, I'm high on Sam Carlson. Yeah. And don't forget the Mariners have a top 10 pick in June. That's right. And their other picks keep on rising because of, uh, the Astros losing their picks. Marcel Zuna. Yeah. Yeah. helped that. Um, are there any other, uh, qualifying offer guys still out there? I believe they're all off the table now. Okay. So draft order is set. Although, right? Yeah, Castellanos doesn't have a. Yeah, um, he was traded. Yeah, right. Draft order is set. Um, unless there's a, obviously you can still trade the, uh, the yeah, comp picks. Was, yeah. Um, but yeah, the draft order that won't change the draft order. Um, so yeah, draft order set. I think they pick six forty fifth. Well, unless this investigation finds the Red Sox <laughs> right, guilty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's still a possibility. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think they'll, the draft order is pretty much set, though, um, plus or minus one or two spots for, let's call them reasons. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, all things considered, it's a pretty good day 
Um, gosh, that that Hanager news just kind of took the wind out of our sails. Um, <laughs> although I will say, I guess in the spirit because I was complaining earlier, um, you know, the Mariners are only going to show us ten spring training games anyway, so I guess we weren't going to miss much of Hanager, but. And, yeah, you know. I mean, well, you, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, there's no. there's still hope that he's probably going to play in, in, in April. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but could have been worse. Could have heard that he tore his ACL working or something like that. And he was going to miss the whole year. Um, or that it was, you know, something um, else that was significant. So, you know, it, it sucks, but um, so could have been worse. So it goes, so it goes. Um, yeah, but um, by the way, uh, MLB Pipeline, which I know is the the site that uh, most of our fan, most of our readers like to use for their prospect ranks. Um, their top 100 comes out uh, on Saturday, I believe. So um, we'll probably go ahead and react to their list. And then, like I said, uh, we're hoping to have our list out by uh, pitchers and catchers, which is in about three weeks. So, um, you have you made your list? I'm working on it. I've, I've read, I think I've read everything I need to read. I've seen as much as I'm going to see. Um, I've set, I've set a top 10 out. Um, and I'm working my way through my top 20. Um, I think I'm actually at 19 and then it's a matter of trying to decide who's going at 20. Um, so it's getting there, man. It's, it's, I, I, I I've, I've gotten my way up to 26 now on mine and um there's some interesting decisions that i've made to say that i mean i <laughs> I'll, I'll just i'll just say that baseball america and i have thought kind of alike interesting um i would say that um like i kind of teased this on twitter um i really like justin dunn and yet when i went to set out my top 10 i kept lowering him and lowering him and lowering him for guys I just happen to like more. So, um, yeah, there <laughs> is Brandon Williamson higher than Justin Dutton. In your list? <laughs> um, I don't believe so. I'll pull up my list and confirm that, but okay. uh, I will say it's a lot closer than it was six months ago. Um, Damn. like, so yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if I can bring myself to do that, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I, I, I have, I have some interesting choices that I've made. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dunn is ahead of Williamson on my list. Um, Williamson as of now did crack my top 10. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I think there's a very good chance I'm the low guy on Justin Dunn which is really saying something because I really like Justin Dunn, the prospect. So uh, Mariners farm system is great shape. So, yeah. Yep. I guess that's the positive message of today. Mitch Hanniger is going to miss all of spring training and probably be terrible in April because he won't get a spring training. Um, that sucks. But uh, good news is, is that the Mariners top prospects are all, um, you know, as far as we know, healthy. We're going to get to see a lot of them uh, this year. Um, the, uh, I believe DePoto said in his little presser today that, uh, he expects to see Kelnick and Gilbert with the big league club at some point this year. Um, not that much of a surprise per se, but 
Once again, they're doubling down on it. Um, I look at right, my top quick. Who's going to be the top prospect of the Mariners system this time next year? Probably Julio because I think Kelnick graduate. Right. Oh well, I don't know. If Kelnick's going to have enough to graduate. And technically, Julio is the top prospect, according to Baseball America. Um, so basically what you're asking me is, does Jared Kelnick get enough playing time at the big league level this year Pretty to much. graduate off this list? Yes. <laughs> Just right. Sure, yes. Julio Rodriguez will be the number one next year. No, um, he, needs, uh, he needs 150 plate appearances. Well, actually, you know what? Yeah, um... We're completely forgetting that in between this time next year, a draft will take place in which the Mariners hold the sixth pick. Yeah. Um, it's possible they draft a better prospect than Julio Rodriguez. Not likely, but it's, it's definitely possible. So, um, yeah, I'm still going to say Julio, but uh, I think there's actually some, uh, you know, some room for some different answers. So, um, well, yeah, you, you know, who knows? Maybe Noel Lee Marte, uh, Kirby, or yeah, Kirby. Whoever. Yeah, Cur- Kirby is the guy that could really jump this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if he keeps on having that strikeout to walk ratio, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, like so. I mean, well, technically, right now he doesn't have a strikeout to walk ratio. He doesn't right. walk anybody. Um, so can't really have one without the other. Uh, but no, yeah. So overall the, the farm system is strong. Mitch Hanniger being out is a, a bummer and a significant one, but doesn't really change much. It always seemed like the odds that Hanniger was getting traded this winter were, you know, fast, like plummeting down to zero over the last couple of weeks. So I wouldn't say it's a huge, like, deal to his trade value um yeah, I, I think would, after the braves sign ozuna it was over right and i think you know the reds still made sense but it was just it got to the point where it's like you know let's let mitch play a couple months see how he is and then we'll decide from there um you know by the way also on sotomojo.com i wrote up the possibility of signing uh hanniger to an extension instead of trading him um and before we sign off just because we're, we're way over time right now. Um, yeah, we're almost 10 minutes over. Uh, <laughs> anyways, before we sign off, I proposed a Mitch Hanniger extension. Five years. Uh, I think I came up with $68 million. So let's let's just call it, or what's 70, whatever. Let's just call it five years, $75 million. Are you giving that to Mitch Hanniger? Mm. Yeah, see, I think that's that's the that's the reaction I was going for right there. Yeah. Well, maybe, but yeah. Eh. Yeah. that's kind of the reaction I was going for. So yeah. yeah, make sure you guys check that out at Soto Mojo. I lay out the reasons how I came up with that figure um, or that range, I should say. I gave you a range there. I think it's between 68 and 75 million is the range I came up with. So yeah, make sure you guys check that out at SotoMojo.com along with our other terrific content, um, which I'm sure will shortly include a Mitch Haniger. Um, injury update as well as a potential outfielders to sign yep. type of thing. So I'm sure that'll be going up um, sometime today or tomorrow. Uh, so be sure you can look out for that. Uh, Ty, you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Um, I think we're good. I think, I think we've 
covered all the bases. Um, you know, we got hit with the curveball, but you know, like uh, like Scott Service, we we did our best, <laughs> and our our best was who knows. 40, 45 grade. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, you know uh, say what you want about Scott service, but he tries. <laughs> he is a great trier. He um, is very good at trying. <laughs> oh, we talk so much smack, smack about Scott, and I actually like him. Scott, I just... <laughs> Scott service, 80 grade trier. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Uh, so funny. We talk so much crap about Scott service. I actually really like the dude. I want him in my organization. I do not want him managing my baseball team. So, uh, but yeah, Scott service. Indeed. 80 grade trier. We should make a t-shirt. Um, uh, just 80 grade trier arrow pointing up. Um, anyways, so, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Then, uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. So you don't miss any new episodes. We upload once a week. Um, typically sometime between Wednesday and Friday, as we get into the regular season, uh, we will certainly finalize a, a schedule. Um, but typically it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but just subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And when we decide to record, you'll get it. You'll, uh, you won't have to go looking for it. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Also visit SotoMojo.com uh, for all the Mariners' latest news, injury updates, rumors, speculation, crazy random articles about seemingly nothing. Um, we like to have fun sometimes. So we do all that stuff at sotomojo.com. Follow us on Twitter at sotomojofs. You can also like us on Facebook. But if you want to get a hold of us, if you want to ask us questions, if you want to um, see how long it takes you to get blocked or muted uh, by me, the best place to do that is at sotomojofs on Twitter. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, guys. Our community's grown uh, quite a bit in the last couple days. Um, What's interesting about this podcast is we didn't even bring up Felix Hernandez signing with the Braves. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Maybe this was like a 20 grand podcast. <laughs> yeah. that's. I just thought of that. I mean, uh, yeah, best, I've, I've uh, talked about Felix enough. I'm, I'm sorry, know. but it's just that I just best of luck. Best of luck to Felix. Yeah. Uh, I hope he is willing to make changes. He never was going to be willing to make in Seattle. Um, you know, I know Jim Moore of 710 wrote an article saying he wasn't going to root for Felix now because he didn't make that's just stupid. Like, I'm sorry, nothing, no, nobody on this team frustrated me more than Felix Hernandez the last three years. Of course, you still root for the guy. What are you, insane? So, yeah. I, I hope, I truly hope he finds success and he makes that Atlanta Braves roster. Um, I kind of doubt he will, but uh, I hope to be proven wrong. I would love to see Felix pitch in 2020. Um, so best of luck. Like Felix even listens to this. So yeah. good luck, King. Um, if you make the club, we'll see you in March, I think. So, um, or early May. April. May, May, I think. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so yeah, guys, make sure you subscribe, follow us on Twitter at SotoMojoFS, like our Facebook page and visit, most importantly, visit SotoMojo.com for all your Mariners news and updates. Um, we had a pretty good ideas today about some t-shirts. So, Maybe we'll start uh, making some T-shirts there. 80 yeah. grade trier. 80 grade trier. <laughs> I think it's a really good idea. <laughs> I think so, too. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, I will see you in another life. Peace out. Peace.